0: Again, it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and um, we ask that you please stand as able, uh, and for those who are joining us from home, you you can stand if you want to, if you feel comfortable doing that from home as well, um, for the reading of God's word today. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, um, we are... uh, nearing the end of the semester, and I know that um, you know, it's not the end for all of us in terms of uh, your time here at LGM for the season, but you know, for some of us, it might be winding down. You'll be going to different places over the summer. And um, I think it's kind of fitting that we're, we're reading this passage that talks about a commissioning. And, and I wanna commission all of you in, in many ways. And whether you know, you're gonna be here uh, in Ann Arbor uh, with us physically, Are you going to be somewhere else? I do think this idea of commissioning, of being uh, co-missioned, right? You are on Jesus's mission is very important. And it's a very big part of the gospel story that Jesus's time here on earth obviously was limited in terms of being here in his physical body, right? But in many ways, he wanted us to continue that ministry. And we are meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We are meant to be the body of Christ for a broken world. And so he is sending us. But this is the thing, friends, that maybe for a lot of us, we feel like, like that. That's, this is like very uncertain. You know, like, like we, where do we go from here? I, I showed this uh, picture last week, but I think it's kind of fitting that sometimes when we're walking around in life, we're like, you know, I, I just don't even know where I'm going. You know, I think for a lot of young people, and not just young people, I'll be honest, I think for a lot of us, we sometimes feel lost. You know, we feel like we're walking through life with a blindfold. And, you know, maybe sometimes we don't even feel like our faith is that strong, you know? And so my question is, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here, those of us who are imperfect people? And I think that's everyone here, right? Our, our faith is imperfect. Our lives are imperfect. Our our. our you know, it just we as people, we're not finished products, right? And that's one of the things that's very, very encouraging to me about this passage. I, I want to point this out here. Um, so the disciples were told to meet Jesus on this mountain that he told them to, to, uh, to meet them at, uh, to, 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 to meet him at. And so the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. That's what I kind of want to focus on for a moment, that um, here's the disciples, and now they see the resurrected Jesus, right? They've seen that Jesus has been true to his promises. And here now Jesus is about to commission them, we call it the Great Commission, right? To send them into the nations, to go and baptize people, to go and make disciples, right? And to go and continue this mission. But here we see this little, kind of like, it can be like a little bit of a throwaway line, but I think it's so important here, right? They saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, right? Not all of them were 100% sure at this point about Jesus, right? And yet, and yet, Jesus commissions them. I mean, it's Jesus, right? Don't you think he knows, right? He knows that the disciples don't have perfect faith. He knows that some of them have doubts, and yet he has still chosen them. is that encouraging? I don't know about you guys. is that encouraging? You know, because I think so many of us, right, we come to church, and maybe some of us right here, right now, are like, yeah, Pastor Steve, if, if I were to be really honest, if you were to peer into my heart and into my mind, you would know that I'm not 100% sure about all these things. Or maybe some of you, like, you know, we have these moments. We're kind of like Peter, right? We're like, we had these moments of, like, great faith, and we're like, yes, you are the Messiah. And then other times where we're like, I don't even know Jesus, right? And you feel like that sometimes. You feel like that in life, and you're like, God, what am I supposed to do? We, we hear a passage like this, this great commissioning, and we're like, mm, yeah, that's not for me. That can't be for me. Because God knows how wishy-washy I am. God knows how, how I, I'm not like like you know you are the rock right like like that was supposed to be Peter's nickname right you're the rock and on this rock I will build my church I know some people they're like yeah it's not Peter that that Jesus was building on but it was the the proclamation of him being the the, the son of God the Messiah yeah we're kind of split in hairs because I mean he really says hey your name is Peter. Right On this rock, I will build my church. On people such as you. Yes, your testimony. But on the lives of imperfect people, I will build my church. Because that's the thing, friends. You might feel like, ah, oh, I'm not rock. I'm more like sand or water or maybe like jello. I don't know. <laughs> you know My faith is not rock solid all the time. But neither was Peter's. Neither were a lot of these disciples. right And so, friends, I just want to say that. You know, if you're ever in a place where you're like, man, I'm just, I, my faith is not perfect, you're in good company with the disciples. You're in good company with all the people that God has ever called, right? And that is so encouraging because I, I, I tell you guys all the time, I'm not perfect, right? I mean, there's so many times where, you know, I, I, I can sometimes fall into the grip of anxiety and fear. I mean, there's so many things. Like for me, um, I mean, some of you guys know that our church is really going into an uncertain season. And there's so many things, like even in the United Methodist Church, that are just really, really uncertain right now. There are times when I think about that, and I'm like, God, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. God, can you send someone else? I, I just don't know that my faith is that strong. I wonder, I wonder if the disciples felt that way. Maybe for some of you, maybe God is going to be sending you to a new city, new place, and you're gonna be leaving your faith community. You're gonna be leaving all the community that you've ever known. You're like, God, really? Is, is this really what you want for me? Or maybe you wanna to go to a new city, but you're told to stay. <laughs> and you're like, no, God, it's not fair. God, can, can you send me somewhere else? Can you send me somewhere more exciting? And maybe, like, you wouldn't put it this way, but really you kind of feel like my faith isn't strong enough for this moment. You ever feel like that? I mean, that's the disciples here. Some doubt it. Matthew wrote this down, right? I mean, he could have made his fellow disciples look awesome and been like, these are the heroes of faith. You should follow them. You should emulate them. But always, always, always we're told we're supposed to follow Jesus, But these, we're called to be disciples. We're called to be like Jesus. But all of us, all of us are still being formed. We're not perfect yet, right? I don't know that we ever will be. But there is a journey that we're taking where God can continue to form us and shape us, right? And he's calling you. Can we just say that and affirm that? To just, you know, as we go through the rest of this passage, to just say he's calling you as imperfect as you may be, as imperfect as your faith may be, right? If you're in this moment, you're in the right moment. (laughs) And this is the moment God has called you to. Amen? Amen. So where do we go from here? What do we do? I think this passage provides really great advice. And again, you know, to just acknowledge these are imperfect people that he's talking about. So the first thing that we see is they worship right? In the same breath, right? You guys see that, right? In the same breath. And when they saw him, verse 17, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So even those that were doubting, they worshiped, right? And friends, you know, why do we worship? Why why are we told to do that? Because I think that what worship does is it shifts our focus to God and his greatness, to God and what he is doing, to God and what he has done instead of ourselves, right? For a lot of us, you know, especially those of us who are struggling. It is so easy. This is the way, like, like, like your, your, your primary tendency is going to be to focus on yourself when, when your faith isn't strong or when you're non-certain, when you're feeling anxious or you're worried, right? That's what our minds do. It's just all about us. And we just kind of like get this tunnel vision. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You almost can't see anything else right? Some people might be like, oh, man, it's a beautiful day, and you didn't even notice. Like, oh, man, the sun is shining. Is it? Is it shining? Because I've just been here. I've just been in my head. I've just been worrying. I've just been thinking about, like, man, why, what, 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 why do I just think so bad? You know, what, 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 why do I have so many doubts? What, why do I always do that? Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep messing up? You guys ever feel that way, right? You're just stuck within yourself, right? And I got to say, that your mind is trying to figure it out. It's trying to eliminate a threat, and it's trying to get control of a situation, right? Much like it would if there was like like a wolf in the room or something, right? We gotta fight this wolf, we gotta control this wolf, we gotta run from this wolf, we have to out-strategize this wolf. But when it's in your head, or when it's some uncertainty, or when it's something you can't control, what good is that gonna do? What is your mind gonna do? The only thing it's going to do is it's going to eat itself, <laughs> right? It just gets consumed and just chews away. And, and before you know it, man, you're just so drained and exhausted, right? Isn't that a lot of us? We're just stressed out. I, I don't know about you guys, but it can manifest in different ways. For me, I get like stomach aches. I just like worry and worry and worry. Maybe some of you, you legit get a a headache. Some of you, you just like want to run away. You just want to binge Netflix or you just want to eat a tub of ice cream or you just want to take a nap for for a month, right? Is that you? Is that you? That's so many of us, right? What is that doing? Does it ever solve our problems? Does it ever make anything better, right? But that's what we do. We, we, We focus on ourselves and we try to find solutions, but they don't work right? And so here we see the disciples who are doubting, and they're like, what is going to happen? You know, the Roman authorities, they just killed Jesus. What does that mean for us, right? There's so much stuff out there for them to worry about. There's so much stuff for them to to focus on. They could even just be like, what am I even doing here? I have doubts. But you know what they do in the presence of Jesus? They worship. For a moment, it's not about them. Their eyes are not looking at themselves and all of their issues. Their eyes are on their teacher, not just their teacher, their king, not just their king, their messiah, not just their messiah, their savior, not just their savior, their God. And in this moment, friends, I just wonder, you know, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Do you ever like come into a worship situation? I mean, this was me. I mean, I remember there was a time where I, I really thought I was going to walk away from faith. Um, my freshman year, um, I, I, I w- was really, really lost. And, and I, I just just started thinking, like, man, you know, maybe this religion thing, it's really like, you know, what they say, like, it's an opiate for the masses. It's just trying to make us feel better. It's just trying to give us this hope of heaven. And, you know, I was really lost. And I, I had joined this fraternity, and I, I was kind of looking for, you know, yeah, like this idea of brotherhood, this community Because I wasn't really sure I was going to find that in the church. I also found a lot of other things in the fraternity that that were not so good. And I was really broken over the summer of my freshman year. And I had some friends who came and they invited me to a prayer meeting. And I only went there because I wanted to hang out with my friends. And and during the prayer meeting, um, they were just, they they started singing some songs. You know, I I was just kind of like mumbling the songs under my breath because... You know, I knew them, but I didn't really mean them anymore. And then all of a sudden, people just start praying. And people were just worshiping in their prayer. And it was just this kind of, like, spontaneous moment, you know. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. Have you ever experienced other people are doing that and you're not there? And I was sitting there, and I just felt so stupid, right? I just felt like I was sticking out like a sore thumb. What am I doing here? These people are worshiping, and I'm just like, do do Okay, can we get something to eat? And they wouldn't stop. They just kept going. They just kept worshiping. So before I knew it, I just started like saying things to God. I'm like, God, hi, it's me. (laughs) And and just before I knew it, you know, I was like face down on the ground. And, And I was repenting and just a lot of things were coming out and just like the whole world just kind of disappeared. And for a moment, I was not thinking about my doubts anymore. Have you ever experienced that? You're worshiping God and it's like the whole world disappears. All there is is God. That's what worship can do, right? And friends, I want to encourage you, if you have doubts, and that's a lot of us, right, you're not going to figure it out in your head. You're going to figure it out by having an object of worship that will prove itself worthy, right? All the things that we worship in this world will not prove themselves worthy. You can try. You can try to worship them. You can try to find hope in them. You can try to find ultimate meaning in them. Go ahead, try, but they will let you down. But in God, we will find something. I think if we're open to it, we can find something that is so luminous and so beautiful that we won't need anything else. That's our hope, right? So worship is, is, is a good first step, right? For me, um, also, that has been kind of my calling in this season, Um, I've been telling you guys that I've been very, very just like I don't know what to do with some of the things in the church. You know, the the United Methodist Church is like seems to be falling apart at times, and you know, over the summer I would think about these things every day. I would just worry about them, and there was one night I was like so worried. It was like a Saturday night. I I, like had a hard time, like you know, working on the sermon stuff, and I, I, I like couldn't sleep. I was like. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And just in this moment, I just had despair. And what God told me was very simple. He said, worship, worship. So that's what I did, right? And again, I've experienced those moments of the world falling away, of things just getting way simpler and way more in focus when I can worship. So number two, what, what, what else can we do? So this is gonna be something that comes directly from the scripture, but I wanna put in a different wording. This is not my wording, but it says immerse yourself in the reality of the Trinity. And so this comes from, if if we go back to the passage here, um, it says, uh, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into, that's where that little footnote there, it it, it actually says baptize them into, The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's this idea of immersion and baptism. Do you guys know what baptism means? It means to immerse or dunk. I kind of like that. Like, especially when we talk about John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, right? I like to think of him as John the Dunker because, I don't know, I like basketball. It's just... John the dunker, you know? He's dunking people in the water, you know? And and that's what baptism is. It is an immersion. You're going to be in it. And so, yes, that has become very, very uh, like Christianized. And, you know, we have kind of lost all meaning about what that means. This is what Dallas Willard said um, about this passage. He says, immerse them together in the presence of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, Baptize them in the name, but dear friends, that doesn't just mean getting them wet while you say those names. It means to immerse them in the reality. And I wonder sometimes in baptism, that's kind of just what we think. It's become this ritual in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We did a baptism uh, last week, and by the way, you know, we just use water as a symbol, right? Because we don't have a body of water nearby. I was joking around with Robert, I was like, hey, Huron River is just right down there, right? Just just a couple miles, right? We can go there, and we can make this happen. And last week was a lot colder (laughs) than it is this week. That's not always practical, but that's what baptism means. You are being immersed. Immersed into what? Into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this idea of this full immersion right? You're in a different world. That's what we have been talking about all semester long, this idea of the reality of the kingdom, a different kind of reality, a reality where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not just names. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just something you read in a book, but it's an actual reality, and there is a presence that you can experience, right? The reason why the Holy Spirit is in there is because that's how you encounter the Father and the Son now, right? We're not necessarily going to see, you know, well, most of us, not all the time, we're not necessarily going to see or to be able to touch Jesus, right, in the flesh. But we can experience him through the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense in which we know, we know, we know, we know we're not alone. So this is the thing. What reality are you immersed in? You're you're all immersed in a reality, right? Did you know that, right? You're immersed in the reality of this world. And in this world, oftentimes, a lot of what dominates this world is the spirit of fear. We talk about this a lot, right? A spirit of anxiety, a spirit of scarcity. It's not enough. Is that the spirit of a loving father, right? This world that we live in where it's like, oh man, you know, I better get mine. Because if I don't get mine, There's not gonna be enough. I I have to grab it. I gotta take it, right? Otherwise, someone's gonna grab it before me. There's not gonna be enough for me. Is that the kind of world that we're supposed to be baptized into? But it's all around us, right? That's the world we live in. And all we have is this. This is what the world is telling us, this material stuff, right? And we just need to scrape out some happiness, some enjoyment, some meaning from the things you see here, right? And in many ways, friends, I mean, you see it all the time through advertisers. You see it all the time from politicians. You see it all the time from just about anything, right? Like one what, what of the main ways that people can grab your attention, right? I mean, advertisers know this, YouTubers know this, people on Instagram know this. It's to make you mad or to make you scared, right? It's two of the most effective things that can make you mad you're gonna pay attention. They can make you scared, right? You're gonna to wanna to know about that. And That's so much of what we are immersed in every day, right? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do, right? And so for some of us, friends, I, I, I know I was talking to some of the students or some of the people, you're at a crossroads. And I remember when I was your age, I remember when I was a senior, there, there was this, this question looming over all of my fellow seniors was this question of like, what are we going to do now? Some people knew and they're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to worry about it. And some other people were like, I've got a gap year in front of me. I, I, I just don't know. And sometimes you're on that road. You think you know and then you have that doubt. You're like, is this really what I want? Is this really going to be the rest of my life? And man, friends, that fear, It's so oppressive. That uncertainty, it's so difficult to be in all the time. So friends, what does it mean then to immerse yourself in a different reality, right? So immerse yourself in the reality of the Trinity. One of the things that we can do is get out of these other supposed realities, right? To get out of these ways of thinking and to get into the reality where you are loved. What is the Trinity, friends? Some of us were like, ah, I don't even know what to do with that. So all we do is we say the names, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because... We don't know what to do with the actual Trinity. Let me tell you one thing that we know for sure about the Trinity. I know it's very mysterious, right? But the one thing we know about the Trinity is each member of the Trinity loves and honors and blesses the other. That's the one thing we know right? Sometimes they call it almost like the dance. They're dancing around each other and they're all about each other, right? The son is trying to bless the father, right? The father is blessing the son. The Holy Spirit is blessing both, right? And it's just this circle of blessing and love, right? This is one of the things that we know is that even God, right? It's, it's a mystery. Like, God is one, but God is three. Like, well, what does that mean? Even God exists in a community of love, They're loving, they're honoring, they're blessing. That's the world. That's the reality that God lives in. What about you? Do you live in a reality of love? Or maybe some of us, the reality we live in is mad lonely. We don't feel loved. We feel like we're in this cold, indifferent universe. Hmm. That's so hard. It's so hard if you live in that. This is one of the reasons why we pray. This is one of the reasons why I think we read scripture. We are trying to immerse ourselves in a different reality, right? And one of my favorite ways to read scripture is not to read it, but to meditate on it. Sometimes what you can do is you can memorize it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What are we trying to do? We're trying to immerse ourselves in that reality. I mean, just think about those words for a moment. Let them really sink into your soul. You're not alone. You're not in a cold and different universe. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't need anything, right? You you, you don't need to to grasp for these things. He loves you. He's going to provide for you. It's going to be profoundly okay. You live in a world of shalom. You live in a world of tov. You live in a world where God is good and he loves you. This is the reality we need to get into. When I pray, sometimes I don't even use words. But sometimes what I need to do is just kind of let go of all that anxiety, all that fear. Just in a moment, just let go. And I just say, Jesus, Jesus is the only word I need. Jesus, Jesus, I just need to be in a different reality for 20 minutes, just let the world fall away and be immersed in this different kind of reality where I just know, I just know. I, I don't need a lot of words. I just know in my soul, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. That's the reality of the Trinity. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who gave his son to die for you. And there's a Holy Spirit who's with you all of the time. Man, it's so good. We could live in that reality, right? And then the third thing we can do is get into the flow of discipleship. I know that sounds kind of weird, so I want to explain that. What does that mean? I like to use the word flow for a lot of the things that we do in in the Christian life because what this world of scarcity does is we always think about it in terms of giving and taking, right? Like, like we, we, we think about it as like I receive something and then I give something. And, and sometimes when we think about things like that, it's just like I, I feel like it puts us in a weird place where we all want to get the thing, but we never want to give the thing, right? Like love, right? And this is the thing with love, right? If you're only about receiving love, you'll never really have love because you'll just be like, like your love will be based on exploitation. But if you really want love, you need to learn how to receive it and give it. And so I call it like a river, right? It's a flow, a flow of love. If you really want blessing, don't just seek to receive blessing, seek to be a blessing. If you want joy, don't just seek to have joyous things, but to give joy to other people. That's how you experience these things as a flow. And the same thing goes with discipleship. Right? This flow of discipleship. So this is what it says uh, in, in the scripture. It says, um, yeah, sorry, let's go back to here. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? And so this idea of uh, that we are getting in this flow of discipleship. And what that means is that we are trying to learn to do what Jesus says in the manner in which he lived life. This is what we call discipleship. Sometimes people like to call it apprenticeship because discipleship, it's kind of like become this loaded word where we hear it and we hear discipline and we just don't want that. And we're like, yeah, it just sounds so like religious and so like disconnected from my actual life. But what a disciple is, is an apprentice. You are learning to do what the master does, right? If you're a blacksmith and and you're like a master blacksmith or you've been doing it for a long time, you're an expert, you would take on an apprentice and you would teach that apprentice to do what you're doing, to learn how to blacksmith in the way that you blacksmith, right? And and, and so you, you would let them try and make mistakes. Maybe that first pot that they try to make is gonna be like mad crooked, right? And there's like holes in it or cracks in it. And then you teach them like, okay, this is what we can do better. And you're learning how to be like the master. This is what discipleship is. You are learning to be like Jesus by doing what he says, right? And not just what he says, but you're learning to do it in the manner of Jesus. This is one of the things that we often miss, right? This is one of the things that the Pharisees missed, is that they would teach law, they would teach Torah, right? But they would do it in a way where it was sometimes very arrogant, I mean, I think religious teachers do this all the time. We're like, "Be like Jesus." Like, okay, but is that in the manner of Jesus? Like, Jesus was gentle and lowly and humble, and he was loving. Right. And if we don't teach people to be like Jesus in a loving and gracious way, that's not the way of Jesus. Right. We we, like sometimes parents and teachers like to say (laughs) something like to the effect of, "You know, do as I say, not as I do." Right. That doesn't work. As a parent, you will know this, your kids learn from you all the time, right? But they don't always learn what you want them to. (laughs) Sometimes they learn your bad habits. Sometimes they learn your impatience. Sometimes they learn your anger. Am I right? Yeah. And so friends, this is how we disciple someone. This is how we apprentice someone. You live with them and you follow them. And by doing so, you become like them. And this is what Jesus did with his disciples. He said, follow me. Come and do life with me. And he shared meals with them. And he walked the whole countryside with them. And they did all the things together. And they didn't just pick up on what Jesus said. They picked up on his very manner of life. That was the hope, right? And so getting in this flow of discipleship is learning to be like Jesus and learning to live in the manner of life. This life of humble service, this life of love, this life of blessing. And friends, also to find people to come along with you who are ready to do the same. I know that word make disciples can seem so intimidating. And especially for those of us who are a little bit earlier on in our stage of life, we're like, I don't know how to do that yet. I don't know how to make a disciple. And so what I want to say is, if that is you, if you're not ready to make a disciple, can I suggest this? Be a disciple. That's your first task. Become a disciple yourself. And then the other thing you can do is while you're doing that, come alongside other people who are ready to be disciples too. It's one of my favorite ways of doing quote-unquote discipleship. Just share your life with people. I find someone that you can talk to and be like, hey, I need prayer. Hey, you know, man, my temper has been so short lately. Can you pray for me? And sometimes those people can encourage you. They can remind you about the truths of God. I don't think a lot of us really need someone to rebuke you every moment, like, ah, you're messing up. Because to be honest, I mean, Jesus didn't always do that with the disciples. Of course he corrected them, right? But these are people that he walked with for three years, you know? And for sometimes, like, you know, like we're so ready to correct other people because it makes us feel good. It makes us feel superior. It's not really about learning to follow Jesus. It's more about us controlling other people, right? But I think that if we can find people to journey with, to say, hey, I just, I want to immerse myself in this reality. I want to know more of God's love. I want to learn to follow him more faithfully, right? That's something that I think all of us do. And remember what Jesus said at the very end, right? He said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, we, we, we said with the little ones, right? We did that thing where we say Christ is risen. And then we all said, he is risen indeed, Some of you did a half fist bump. Come on, you can do a full fist bump, right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. This is the truth that undergirds all that we do, right? As disciples who are learning, who are stumbling, who are not going to be perfect. I am with you always to the end of the age. You know why I'm with you always? Because I overcame death. I can overcome anything. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm with you always. You're never alone. And that brings me hope. So friends, these things are three very simple things. And, you know, even if you can't do those things perfectly, can you just know that God is with you, right? And, and, and just, you know, that we can try. We can try our best to follow after Jesus. But Jesus has already overcome the world. Jesus has already overcome death. And God is with you. Know that. Let that sink in. Let that be a part of your soul. I mean, maybe if you just start there, every day you wake up in the morning and you're like, God, thank you that you are with me. And maybe you're in the car or you're going to class or you're about to study for your final or you're really just stumped about something, There's something in your life that's very, very uncertain and just in this moment, you just take a deep breath and you just go, God, thank you that you are with me always to the very end of the age. Praise team, can you come up? I want to just take a moment, friends, I don't know how this message is hitting you. It might be hitting you in a different place in a different way than other people. Um, And let's just take a moment to just be still before God. If you want to pray, if there's something that you feel led to pray, or there's something that just is sinking in, let's just be quiet and allow the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts and our souls. Precious God, where do we go from here? We're imperfect. Our faith is not always 100% rock solid. God, we don't know why you would call us to this moment, but you have. And you assure us that you are with us every step of the way. You are with us always to the very end of the age. God, thank you that you are greater than this world. You are greater than our doubts. You are greater than our imperfections. We want to learn how to follow you, God. We want to turn our eyes away from ourselves to worship you. We want to immerse ourselves in the reality of your love and your presence, God. We want to learn how to follow you, God, to do what you tell us to. And God, I just pray that there just can be so much grace in this. God, I just want to pray over each and every person, God, we commission them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to go out into this world to live as your disciples. They're not going to do it perfectly, God, but I pray that they can do it with you, and with the people that you're sending to them to journey with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.